Hey, what's up, everybody? Bo from Cycle Jerks Podcast, and uh, wanted to say thanks to everybody that uh, commented back about whether or not I should be documenting my weight loss for this trip to Europe to do a bunch of bucket list epic climbs in Switzerland, France, and Italy. And I uh, just wanted to give you just a quick background of where I'm at with uh, ever since I was a kid, all the way up to now. And, uh, you know, maybe you can relate about the whole weight situation. Uh, so as a kid, I was a soccer kid and was in really good shape all the way through to my high school years and got into cycling when I was 15, got into racing, obviously stayed in really good shape. And about 19, 20 years old, I got out of sports and just started drinking, eating crappy food. I'll never forget when I moved out of my parents' house. And instead of being like super happy of moving out because I had my freedom to, you know, maybe have women over or to uh, stay up late at night, not get yelled at by parents. My first thought was I can eat whatever I want. And that was kind of the journey from becoming in shape to being really out of shape. That was really kind of like the start of some really bad habits. And uh, so I weighed about uh, 150 when I raced in 1988. I was really a really good climber. And um, by the time I was 27, I'll never forget standing on the scale and I was 200 pounds. So in about an eight year span, I had picked up about 50 pounds. So that trend continued. I got into a relationship. I owned a hockey uh, outdoor roller hockey rink. And I also owned a hockey store in the early 2000s. And we had a taqueria across the way. I was there every day. Uh, I didn't care. I was drinking beer. I mean, I think Sierra Nevada was really the best beer right around late 90s. And that was always a six pack in my, in my fridge, um, chips, soda, sweets. I love donuts. I love chocolate. All that stuff was always around. Didn't care. And, uh, by the time I was probably 35, 36, I was about 250, 60 pounds. So in a short span of about 17 years, I gained about 100 pounds. And come about 2010, you know, I, relationship ended and stress eating became a real problem. You know, I remember being really bummed out many times and I'd be in the drive-thru at McDonald's and get like three, four double cheeseburgers. Before I got out of the parking lot, I would pound those and then I'd go into the parking lot, uh, into the drive-thru at KFC and get like chicken tenders or, or popcorn chicken or whatever. So stress eating has always been a part of, of how I deal with things. So come 2000 and about 10, 2011, we went to Maui. And I was probably 265, 275 pounds. And I fell in love with Mount Haleakala. And the first thing I thought was I would love to ride my bike 
of this. Now, I hadn't really been writing at all for a good 20 years. And uh, I actually rented a bike and threw a backpack on, and it was a joke. I just, I probably made it 10 miles. So falling in love with that mountain really made me see that, you know, I, I want to do this. And so I dusted off my old look, Bernardino, and started to find uh, out how much weight I could lose in a short period of time through, you know, different methods, you know, trial and error, like everything. And next thing you know, about a year later, I got down to like 235 and was able to go climb Mount Haleakala. Very slow, but I managed to do it. Zero to 10,000 feet. Uh, that was very, very hard, but it was a great, it was an amazing day. The feeling that I got from accomplishing, you know, really concentrating on not eating sweets, eating right, cycling, obviously. And um, so I have lost, you know, 50, 60 pounds in the past. It is easier to lose weight when you go from a higher weight to a lower weight, but then it starts to get harder and harder to, as you get down, as you probably all know, I'm probably preaching to the choir. Many of you have probably dealt with these same things. Well, since 2010, I've done this gradual decline, you know, but here's been the pattern. I've gone from up high in the January and I whittle myself down to like around August, September, and I'll be in really good shape. But then come fall, I love all the fall stuff, you know, candy corn. I know a lot of people think it was gross, but <laughs> candy corn. We go up to Apple Hill up near Sacramento. We pig out on caramel, bacon, apple donuts, and all apple pies and all that stuff. Uh, Christmas time, my mom is an amazing baker. So she always gives me a huge box of baked goodies. Uh, you, you just, I just throw away the bike for like two or three months, eat, be merry, and get fat. <laughs> and that's what ends up happening every January. All those gains that I made for most of the year have just gone out the door with a bunch of sugar cookies and uh, and uh, fudge and Kringles from Wisconsin and all the good stuff. So sweet tooth is an issue. But after the pandemic, well, we're still, I, whatever you want to say, if we're still in it or not. But um, during the pandemic, you know, it, my my thought process started to change and say to myself, well, we just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I got to make things happen. And my brain started ticking about all these epic climbs I wanted to do. So the pages of winning magazine, uh, cycling magazines when I was young, those places just looked like dreamlands to me. Seeing Alpe d'Huez and Col d'Obisque and the Tourmalet and uh, Mount Ventoux. And you just go through the, the list of Gavia, the Stelvia. And... I started to think, you know, maybe I could get really into shape and, and do those, but I might only have two weeks to do them. I don't know when I'll ever be back and be able to afford that. I don't have a disposable income. And, um, it really started hitting me. Like I, I need to do this. I need to like figure out a way to get back into shape, like really good shape, not just okay shape, but good shape. Not racing shape, but good shape. 
I guess pretty close to racing shape, but two weeks straight of epic climbs. And then I said, well, who would want to do that with me? And I, my, my good friend, Mike Stewart. Um, so I threw it by him and he was right on board with me. And the only thing is, is I'm, you know, I could do this by myself and just go at my own pace. But when you do it with somebody else that's in better shape and can climb better, kind of don't want to be the, you know, the guy holding him back and making his bike ride lame for sitting there waiting every mile for me to catch back up. You know, I'm sure there's a way to leapfrog and do that all. But, you know, I think it would be cool to be able to do these climbs and not make Mike wait for me and also just do all of these efforts consecutively. We're going to be two weeks straight of epic climbs. I need to be in shape, whether I'm going by myself or not. So I hope you guys will follow me on this weight loss journey. Now, I did get up to 220 uh, last winter, and um, I've had some setbacks this year with a back injury, um, a little bit of stress eating with my dad passing away, got some other family health issues that I'm kind of dealing with on a daily basis. So I'm just trying to keep, keep it together mentally and stay focused. I feel like I'm there. And we have some upcoming guests that I think are going to even get me more focused. I'm excited. Um, I'm not one to show and show off. I don't like being the guy that's like, Ooh, look at me doing pushups and, uh, look at, uh, the picture of the selfie of me before and after. And I just am not that person. So, but I'm willing to share what I do in some form with you guys. And, uh, you know, if it's just entertainment for you and you're interested, that's cool. If it helps you in your own personal life in some way, whether it's uh, motivates you or you take something from uh, doing the, something I did right or wrong and you learn from it, then great too. So, you know, I'm going to do my best to share this last 38 pounds with you guys. I was planning to get to 170. I started at 220 at the beginning of 2022. Um, I feel a lot stronger than I've been in a long time. I am down to about two, um, oh, 208, right around there. And uh, so I'm sticking to the plan right now. I'm doing good as of right now, but the tough months are coming up. Fall is my downfall, literally. And um, so this is going to be... Once I get through the holidays, I think it's only going to get any easier because the eye on the prize is June. And June, I, you know, I can't believe here here we are talking. I remember January saying, you know, I have, you know, a year and a half. Well, I have less than a year. I have 10 months now. So um, anyways, that's kind of my story. I'm hoping that you guys will get some kind of value out of this and sharing my progress with you and doing some, some uh, videos, uh, sharing some efforts that I do and talking candidly about my experience and uh, any training methods I come about. So if you guys have any comments, you have anything that worked for you, I feel like I've done enough trial and error to see what works for me, but there are outlying factors that I can't control. You know, stressful situations derail me. 
uh, I have some back issues that if I overtrain, I will strain my back and I will be off the bike for a month. So um, there's this balance that I've got to find. And so thanks for your time for listening, everybody. And uh, we've got some other clips from our last podcast that we left out sharing some funny stuff about my bike packing experience for my job. And um, so I hope you guys will enjoy that and hope you will follow the journey with me and always feel free to comment, DM me uh, on our Cycle Jerks podcast, Instagram. Something that happened to me this weekend. So it happened uh, to you. Oh, it happened to me. All right. <laughs> so I do not camp. I am not a camping person, but I'm willing to try. It looks like fun. I've been following. We had John and Mira, who are world travelers, on the show. Dog packing, bike packing, uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Van Duzer. I follow these people, and it looks fun. I don't know anybody else that wants to do this, but I, <laughs> I managed to combine a work project. I work for a folding bicycle company, and they have this one bicycle that's their heavy-duty model that supports up to 300 pounds. Look, that is the, that is the uh, it's called the Forte, and it's made beefy, and it's like a 29-pound bike, and it's uh, made for, they just say, 300 pounds, which most bikes are like 240 or something like that. Go ahead and go ahead and give us a little plug. What brand I, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I, I don't do like how Mike does giant. And yeah. um, <laughs> so no, I, so I, anyways, long story short, um, I was going to, I told the owners, we got some negative press by a guy that does, uh, has a, a channel, a, a folding bike channel. And he took this one bike and he called it the fatal flaw. And he Ooh. said something negative. He has since changed his tune and realized he just needed to do a little adjustment. But long story short, I felt compelled as a representative for the company and somebody that does video for this company and tries out the bikes and puts them through. I've taken them to Sedona. I've taken them on. I've, I've put these things through more than the commuter person would take a folding bike through. I've, I've put them through there just to see. And rid them, rode them hard, and I bring them back to the techs at the end of, of my rides, and they're like, "Oh my god, what the hell did you do? This has got red dirt all over it. This is a commuter bike, you know." Yeah. And uh, so I decided I was going to load up the strongest bike that this guy bagged on on YouTube that has a good following, and put it with backpacks. And I put it, it, the bike was eighty something pounds by the time I had water and everything on it. Okay. It has it is a budget bike. It is not made with Shimano, Altegra or DRXT or whatever this is the latest thing. So it's brand new, tuned up, loaded it down, took off to Santa Cruz Mountains to a place I wanted to camp. The idea was to ride 65 miles to the campsite and camp, but the campsite was first come first serve only. So I there was no reservations. And uh, so I had to get there early. So I, I got there at eight o'clock in the morning, but I had to drive. But I wanted to videotape and show that this bike can do these things. I couldn't reserve it. So I, I drove there with the bike. I got there, parked, paid my fee. Now I could have just went and set up my campsite right there and called it good, but that wasn't the point. The point was to actually ride and prove that this bike can handle under load doing these things. So I went back down the hill 
a, a nine mile long descent. Hang on. Would, Sorry, let me interrupt here. Yeah. Are you trying to prove that the bike can do it or that you can do it? No, the bike can do it. It's this is a work project. All right. Okay. So I think but, there's a little bit of both going on. There's a little bit of both going on, but if I can do both and 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 do bike packing for my first time, okay, my first choice is not to be using my company's bikes to go bike packing. My first choice sure. is my gravel bike. Sure. So this thing is definitely loaded down, and I went back down the descent. I went through some mountain bike stuff, and it didn't handle fine. It did a good job. I, I, I thought it did a great job. The gears didn't skip. But climbing back up a 8% grade for seven, eight miles with the rider and the bicycle weighing 300 pounds. Yeah, wild. Holy crap. I was in my, I was tapped out on the gearing. Yeah. And I was going up like a five, 6% grade at like four or five miles an hour. And, yeah. And these dudes on the road bike, you know, Big Basin Highway, Highway, Highway 9. Yeah. It goes to Skyline. And, uh, I was, I could, man, I was sweating buckets, even though I was in the shade. Anyways, I do it. I do the mountain biking part of it. I take it on a course and I videotape all of this, which will be on YouTube for basically kind of a, Hey, this bike can do this. This is the, the end limits of what this bike is advertised as it can do. Yeah. And, um, but here's the part. I'm not a camper. I get there. I never set up this tent before. It's brand new tent. I bought still in the bag. All this asleep. is Hopefully you're filming all of this. All I, everything is filmed. Everything. Okay, good. <laughs> everything is filmed. Uh, I, so I I end up getting uh, that night uh, set up everything. I'm getting bit up by mosquitoes. I forgot mosquitoes repellent. I could not believe it. I mean, I'm really you can't see it, but I can see my face. Yeah, uh, I got bit up pretty bad. So I finally went ahead. I I cooked up a didn't cook because I couldn't have any fire. I get on to the uh, sit there and by myself, I've got my tent hooked up. It's a little one man tiny thing. And I'm just like, okay, now what? It's like, you know, 930 at night. I'm going to screw this. I'm going to sit in my tent because it's mosquitoes were just killing me. I ate like a burrito. That was basically just a tortilla with some refried beans dumped in with some, with some beef jerky mixed in it. <laughs> that was my dinner. <laughs> and, I'm so I'm sitting there and I made some videos where I'm talking to the camera about, you know, listening to the trees and how I was going to fall asleep. I'm about ready to fall asleep and I, and I have no lights on. It's pitch dark out there. And all of a sudden I, I do fall asleep and then I hear these noises. I'm like, what the hell is that? And I hear <laughs> and it sounds like it's right next to oh, me. All right. these, all these animal noises right next to my tent, dude. There was so there was critters running around the tent. I don't know what they were. They were making snort noises. It was like it was sniffing my head. Oh like, wow, weird. Where, where I was laying there and I'm by myself in the dark in the middle of the mountains, and I'm like, go away, just go away. <laughs> and I, I ended up taking some lights and I rigged up some lights outside my campsite. And, and I had a little button that was into my into my tent with me, and I kept on clicking the button on and off throughout the night to ward off any animals because I was freaked out, man. <laughs> Finally, I was like, I was looking, I, I fell asleep. You can see my whoop. My whoop shows me 55 beats a minute all the way through. My, and then also when I woke up because that animal was right next to my tent, it shot up to 120. <laughs> so, 
my whoop was uh my whoop was telling me you could see you could tell when i got disturbed and so right. i ended up uh i could not wait till the sun came up and started getting light out at like five in the morning because i was I, i'm 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 out of here <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i that's just one other reason for me to be less interested i i'm not interested in bike backing well, they don't, there's no bears up there, but they're on, they have a sign that says there's mountain lights, mountain light habitat, habitat. There's obviously skunks, raccoons, I, and I saw the tracks. There was raccoons. So yeah. the little the little sounds that I heard that sound like a pig going, I think those were the raccoons looking for the Probably food. raccoons, yeah. Making, making the food, going for the food. So I had the food in a Ziploc and in a bag, and it was hidden away. And But anyways, yeah, it was... It was a uh, plus he rode 60 what was it 65 miles? Well no, see so that's the thing I I, I that's what I said I I wanted to ride 65 miles there and 65 miles back but I couldn't because I because of the situation with the reservations. I had to drive the bike there I and park in the parking lot then hike down to where I would camp. But I was trying to replicate that I was riding a long distance and putting this bike through its, through its, uh, you know, a test. So, so I luckily, it worked out that I was at the campsite pretty much two miles away from the campsite. My car was parked at this enclosure that you had to have a code for. You hiked in two miles for me, biked in two miles to the campsite where you actually set up your tent. So that's what ended up happening, but I had to replicate doing this riding the day before. I so I kept all the bags and stuff. I took the bike out of the car, unfolded it, put all the bags back on it, and went back down the mountain and rode the whole thing as if I had ridden ridden the course. Oh, okay. For purposes right. of testing. Um, but yeah, so but but the the, the the part of the story is the main thing is, is I guess critters outside my thing at 1 30 in the morning freaking the hell out of me yeah dude I, by no myself thanks. in the dark dude by yeah. myself yeah no thanks <laughs> nope not even a little bit yeah I, I don't have any interest in that and plus i mean let's face it in the woods man you could encounter a human that's uh doesn't have the best intentions i mean there, i don't know just to me it's just like there's way too many variables and you're eating a beef jerky and cold refried bean out of a <laughs> out of a tortilla are yeah. you fucking kidding me <laughs> sounds like fun right <laughs> no nope <laughs> the, part of the reason i ride so much is so i could indulge in some really good food afterwards <laughs> yeah that yeah terrible yeah, well, that's yeah. hey, you know what, man? I learned from from John and 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 Doozer, man. That's what they eat out in the wild. So I was trying to kind of replicate what you have to if you have no access to heat yeah. or fire. What kind of food are you going to bring with you on a bike packing trip? Yeah, maybe like a little Bunsen burner or something. Like a little. I I've seen I've seen little tiny ones. They were all out of them. Oh, everywhere okay. all the reis i went to over the course of the week every of the it's a company called msr that makes these uh the little the canister on the bottom and then yep. boom and then you put a pot on top and put water in it boil it you can th- make a bunch of stuff <laughs> they were every place i went to was out of those canisters and uh so 
I couldn't let's, do that. Let's face it. You're not going to make something great off of that anyway. I mean, at least it'd be warm. Well, but it well would, it's not like you have great food. I got to tell you, I don't know. I've, I've never tasted them. But man, I went to, when I went to REI, there is a wall of different brands. of and They all advertise their freaking gourmet boil in a bag, Thai food and this, that, and the other. And you, it almost is worth having a YouTube channel just to have like people, random people try these foods that are the, the boil in a bag type uh-huh. foods. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Because I, I think it'd be interesting to see reactions of when people eat the stuff because they have come a long way from what I hear back in the day. They used to be like army rations. It was just garbage. But now, nowadays, you should. Uh, some of these meals were nine, ten bucks a bag. Yeah. And you look at the fancy advertising on the outside. You're like, damn, that from the picture, it looks like it's pretty good. But how could how good can something be by just pouring hot water in a bag and letting it sit and do its thing? Yeah. Well, I feel like it's. I mean, I love Cliff Bar, but it's kind of like you hear the flavors on the Cliff Bars, and then it's like, ooh, that sounds good. And then you taste it, it's like, oh, this all kind of tastes the same. Right. You know, this one's got a little hint of mint, or this one's got a hint of chocolate, but they're all kind of, at the end of the day, very similar, even though they have great names. Right. Uh, I wonder right. if that's that, uh, you know, freeze-dried or whatever you call it. Uh, yeah. Probably similar. Yeah, pretty much, probably. Where it's like rations mm-hmm. or something that they use. Right. But for these, hike, these hiking people... Love that crap. You know, they're just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make a tonight. We're going to have Chinese food in a bag. <laughs> like, <"What?"> yeah. Hello, <laughs> man. Yeah. I'll be down at the uh, at the hotel having had a nice dinner and then I'll be sleeping in a bed while you're out there dealing with the raccoons and you know, <laughs> eating cold refried beans and beef jerky. Oh, don't forget the gummy bears and Pringles. <laughs> Well, those are okay by themselves, right? That, yeah, I mean, you know, but and look, yeah. and look hey, you did it, you did I, it, I, I did it. You lived you, out, yeah, you lived out some fantasy you had. Well, about. I don't know if it's a fantasy. What it was, it was a phobia buster. Oh, okay. That was some of it. Was the I, and and in my video that I took of myself, I'm talking to the camera, saying, "This is going to get." I said before it happened, "This is going to get weird tonight." Because oh, yeah. every little sound is absolutely amplified. The wind making the 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 flutter of the of the of the tent yeah. makes it sound like somebody's tapping on the side of your tent. The pine cones falling constantly sounded like feet walking out there in the leaves. Mm-hmm. I, every little sound was so amplified that it was giving me the heebie-jeebies. And like like <laughs> like I posted on my Instagram. My brain was thinking it was Sasquatch and it was probably just a little squirrel. Right. 